So, Gavin, how are we? How's this uh, lockdown treating you? Ah, it's all right, to be honest. Uh... It's it's reminding me of being young and broke and uh, too poor <laughs> to go outside. <laughs> when it's so... sunshine, we can't go out there, outdoors. <laughs> yeah. So I, I stood on my doorstep and uh, clapped for Boris the other night in a sort of hopefully reverse jinx effect. Doesn't seem to have worked. <laughs> He's. Uh... Uh-huh. Risen like Jesus over the Easter weekend, uh, it seems. Uh, so, uh, oh God! With that to be thankful for. Um, yeah. So yeah, people. the concept of there's no such thing as divine justice. <laughs> Evidently, no. No, no, no. Uh, what have we been doing? Uh, playing new Pro Evo a lot, to be honest. Uh, how's it stack up compared to FIFA? About <laughs> fifty times better. Yeah. It's a thousand times better. It's unplayable, FIFA. Now, actually, I got it for the young and um, yeah. it's just it's just become idiotic. It's become not football. I don't know what it is now. It's just become yeah. I don't know. Press it's this like button, Rocket League. Press this button to do this. It's like yeah, can, I can figure it out. You know, I've forty years of football experience under the belt at this point. How to pass <laughs> when you know? It's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't yeah know. no, Pro Evo is the one. Yeah, it was. You know, they were always going to get their act together, weren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've still got the licensing issues, oh, but it's so much easier now just to go online and just download an update file. Yeah, it's not but... like when we were of an age where you had to sit for three weeks. Um, no, no, it takes like ten minutes. <laughs> it literally does. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, other than that, I've been going out for me one hour a day. Skating. Yeah, maybe a little bit of exercise. I see, I, I've always contended to people it's cruel to have a dog, but they've always gone there. Uh, They've always questioned that, and I'm like, well, now they know why. You know, what I mean, you just you sit there, just itching to go. You get your one hour out, and then you're back in again. Like, mm. yeah, I guess so. It's happening in prison. Yeah, I've not been doing a great deal. Start off the first week like exercising, like you know, thinking, yes, going to stay on top of this, and then yeah, just slowly descended into drinking wine. By the way, yeah. hey ho, uh, no basketball to watch though. Um, no. Nope. Seems like forever now. Um, I did set you some homework though. Yes. To uh, to go back and watch um, a team fond to my heart, the uh, the 2007 Golden State Warriors, the We Believe Warriors, Gav. The We Believe, they did believe. It's, they've aged well, actually. If you actually go back and watch them, even more fun the second time around. It seems. Um, yeah. Nelly kind of ahead of the curve again, in many yeah. ways. Yeah, and in lots of ways. They play like a just played like a modern team really. Lots of either more like the Rockets kind of it's layups or threes kind of thing. Not a, yeah. not a great deal of mid range going on really. The odd Baron Davis pull up but um Yeah, they even that was because his leg was knacked. Yeah, especially in game six he was, uh, game six the uh, the game he was uh, he hobbled off, didn't he? And uh, Yeah, really early on. Yeah, and came back uh, didn't seem to bother him though in the end. Well, he couldn't get to the hole, no. so he was having to set up for loads of pull-ups. But yeah, yeah, set the scene if you will. Dallas, best team in the best team in the league that year. Dirk MVP. Yep. Um, like sixty-four wins. Sixty-seven, I believe it was. Which sixty-seven is a fucking ton, really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in any year, the Warriors made a big trade in uh, before the All Star break to bring Steve Jackson in from the Pacers. This was kind of. Well, the f- last members of the, uh, the Malice at the Palace team, uh, really, they were kind of closing the door on 
everyone from that era, weren't they? And, uh, yeah. Keen, keen to keen to turn the page, the Pacers were. Yeah, I think they got Al Harrington and him um, for basically just yes. a bunch of bodies, uh, anybody, <laughs> just get him out of yeah. it, basically. And, uh, yeah, it was Troy Daniels, wasn't it? Ah, uh, the names escape me now, but yeah, it was. I think Troy Daniels Troy... was the only one in that where you were like, "All oh, right." Was it Troy Murphy? What the fuck? No, it's one of one of them. One of that. Uh... One of the Troys. Yeah, the Warriors. Uh, they kind of went on a bit of a tear down the uh, the stretch. Um, they've not been in the playoffs since '94, I believe. And um, <laughs> they, uh, I think, they won 16 last 21 at the end of the season. Nine and one down the stretch to get into the playoffs as the eighth seed. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at that trade now. Actually, Josh Powell, Sarunas, yeah, uh, Troy Murphy, it was yes, and Mike Dunleavy, Keith McLeod, names like that. Jesus Christ, uh, <sighs> yeah, some uh, some names you've not seen for a while there. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, but they beat them. Matt... Hey, Mike Dunleavy was still fucking fouling Mike people Dunleavy. a few years ago. He was, yeah, he was on that Cleveland team. Um, a bit of yeah. there, wasn't he? But. Um, yeah, they beat the Mavs three times in the regular season, so it was kind of there was some form. Um, they just didn't match up well against the Warriors at all, did they? The Mavs? No, no, no. Well, it was an odd team when you look at that Mavs team. Yeah. It's it, it's weird. It's kind of if you look at it now, it's it seems sort of easy to see how the Warriors beat them. You wonder how they won sixty-seven games with some of their names. I mean, it was yeah, like, yeah. Sort of, Past Fucking Austin Crozier playing serious minutes. <laughs> past his prime, uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, the stack. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, 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 it was just a struggle. Yeah, I it mean, was just a struggle. Devin Harris. Yeah, who seems to be around forever. Uh, looked the same age forever as well, and had pretty yeah. the same bang average game forever as well. Bang <laughs> average game forever. I don't understand why. Uh, What's his name? JJ Barrett didn't get much run in these playoffs. I mean, I guess he was a bit younger then, but um, he got done a lot worse than uh, than what they were uh, churning out there. It's, uh, yeah, no, they were terrible. They were, they were just they gave up in that game six. Josh Howe was an all star that year. Um, he was another one of those <laughs> sort of Gerald Wallace types who, yeah, when the decline came, it came very rapidly, didn't it? it Two was, year flash in the pan, yeah. limited skill sets. It was all athletic. Game based around athleticism and then one yeah. injury later. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Warriors, the youngest team in the playoffs that year, with the oldest coach in, uh, in Don Nelson. <laughs> that uh, was peak old Nelly. Nelly's, that was like Nelly's oldest looking age. He's like come backwards since then. He looks stoned on the bench at times, like in that series. You watch the yeah. series, he doesn't actually get up, doesn't call any plays, doesn't call anything. He's just sat there chilling, just like, hey lads, you figure it out, you know. Avery Johnson. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Avery Johnson looks like uh, a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders, thinking, fuck, I've, I've got found out here. Uh, just, yeah, shell shocked. Nelly's just chilling uh, with, his, uh, with his squad there. Uh, Warriors led the league in fast break points, steals, and points off turnovers. And uh, you can see why when you watch. This series, um, there wasn't much of a game plan, was there? It was just get out there, run, and do your thing. Yeah, be, cha- be, cha- be chaotic, if you know what I mean. In, in not having a game plan, you'll draw them out of there, hopefully. Yeah, Steve Kerr and Marv were on the game six. I forgot how good a commentator uh, Steve Kerr was as a colour guy. He was brilliant, and uh, I think he said he was, yeah. it was just organised chaos at times. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's not yeah. much to it. It's interesting as well. I think you can, in that game six, you can... Uh, you can see the seed. You can see the seed zone of, like looking back with hindsight, it's easy to read into stuff. But there's there's bits towards the end where he's like, I 
this is the best crowd I've ever seen. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen a crowd stand on its feet entirely for the second half. Yeah, they never. Like you could, like, yeah. There's you could just sort of see something been sown within him. There. Yeah, like yeah, I'd love to coach here. You know. Coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really interesting, and that, and as well, it's like he's sort of realizing that what 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 Nelly's doing with his game plan, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of a blueprint there for uh, kind of the title-winning Warriors and stuff. Obviously, it helps when you got Curry and Thompson, but um, it's a similar similar type of uh, of play, definitely. Well, it feels like Steve Kerr's eureka moment, if you know what I mean. Like him seeing the future there. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> I've been to a couple of games in the Oracle. I can vouch for that. It is possibly the most ridiculous sort of sporting atmosphere I've ever, ever been involved in. Because um, it's yeah, that on top of each other when there's that many people. It's not like going to a football match, you know, because it's open air. Um, yeah. You know, there's atmosphere and stuff, but it's just it's a fucking cacophony, a cauldron of noise. It is fucking nuts. It's literally, like, you come out and your ears are ringing. It's a bit assault on the senses, if you will. It's, yeah. it's a bit mad. Yeah, well, no, no pressure on the Warriors at all, really. It was um, they had nothing to lose, did they in this series? No. Some names I'd forgot about. Michael Petrus, remember him? Yes, Michael Petrus, Diedrich. Yeah. Great sneaker game. Always got like personal Jordans on and stuff. Uh, yeah, which I always like. There was a sneaky pickup on it, NBA Live and stuff. Yeah, but they were all kind of guys of a similar height and. They were, despite being small, they were a strong team, weren't they? The Warriors, and it helped sort of defensively with the steals and stuff. Matt Barnes and Baron, yeah. Dave, Baron Davis was strong as they come for his size, and, uh, and Jackson and stuff. They uh, they didn't really have any kind of, you know, there's no defensive player of the year sort of candidates on there, but they were quite an effective unit, weren't they? In, in bunches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were. They were what? They were tough on the perimeter. So if, if you're tough enough on the perimeter, yeah. you don't necessarily need to have. A rim protector, as it were, yeah. and yeah, that's and yeah, that that was part of the difference. It just seemed like it just seemed like Dallas were collapsed in around that rim, desperate to protect it, whilst yeah, the Warriors just gunned them. I watched the whole series back, and it's like Avery Johnson didn't even make any changes, sort of from game to game. No, no, it's kind of like, oh right, it'll sort itself out, kind of thing. But there was there didn't seem to be any game plan to sort of get Dirk in positions where. He could hurt the Warriors. They didn't post him up at all. It was all no. a lot of threes and kind of they, were, they weren't running any pick and roll or anything. It was, I mean, he went on to coach Brooklyn, didn't he, Avery Johnson? I think, but it was pretty, yeah. much, pretty much hit it for him after this, wasn't it? It was, uh, you know, he didn't nothing. No, he just didn't coach. He just didn't do anything. No. He just didn't do any. There were no adjustments to how how this team was playing, and they just got like just run off the floor, and yeah. they didn't. They were done before that game six. That was done by the end of game fucking five. Well, like he... before game four, Dirk said, "If we lose this, our season's over." And uh, yeah. and they did, but they, they they came out to win game five in uh, in Dallas. But um, they just knew if they, they didn't have any if, belief. If, if they had to go back to uh, yeah, when your best players coming out and saying that, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, kinda, they, you fucked well, that. Yeah, it's... well, in sharp contrast, they didn't believe like because. Well, yeah, they start yeah. off and they, we, they're, their first 15 points are three-pointers, <laughs> aren't they? They were just like, fuck it, it's house money. We're, we're yeah, throwing it. Yeah, and that's yeah. the only reason they were still in it. Yeah, they should have had the We Don't Believe t-shirts at home. Yeah. Quite good. Um, but yeah, they, um, I think the Warriors were up 12-3 early in that game. As you say, Dallas I think, only scored on three-pointers, didn't they? In the, uh, yeah. And that was largely due to Stackhouse, who came off the bench and kind of hit three. 
but outside him, he kept them in it in the first half. Really, they would they'd have been. Fun. Yeah, he had eighteen in the first half, but then nothing in the second. Just yeah. a dejected look on his face on the bench. Yeah, Davis, as we said, hobbled um, off uh, in the first half and um, went for a bit of heroic effort. Hit eleven in a row at one point in the set, end of the second, and um, yeah, yeah, that's what killed the, it. The tide turning, couldn't you? Well, there's him, and then I think isn't there? There's a Stephen Jackson run in the third. Yeah, he's like seven threes, doesn't he? Um, yeah, of sort of. Um, he's got, he's got, I think he's got thirteen straight uh, after half time. <laughs> I think it was yeah, it was a two point game at half time. The Warriors ended up they were up like by twelve after about five minutes, um, and Nelly was just chilling. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was chaos, as you say. When you when you go into Austin Crozier to get your uh, to get your offense going at his age, uh, you know you're fucked. He was just—he was, to be fair to him, just grabbing offensive rebounds and then just fucking smacking the put back against the rim and out again. It's always his game. I always liked his guy. I liked him in college. I remember seeing him in the. He was so good at grabbing those offensive uh, rebounds. Tournament when he was at, I think it was at Providence, and that was his game there. And he was just a monster on the boards and stuff. Uh, Just couldn't do anything with the putbacks. Terrible. High school teammate and Baron Davis as well. They got into it at one point as well. Bit of a really, yeah, yeah. And then they sat Dirk like when the game was getting away from them as well, and that was it. They sat him for like five minutes. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> they just stopped. The last game of the season, we well, don't sit him. <laughs> and then, uh... They just stopped. They, just, they gave up. They just gave up. And then the, and then after that, there was like a little Josh Richardson run, wasn't there? Yeah. The, like Dirk, a dunk and then two threes or something. Dirk came then... back in. Uh, Matt Barnes dunked all over him. And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, Richardson had those. Back to back threes and that dunk, and it was just fucking party time after that. Snoop was there, he was loving it. Jessica yeah. Alba, they were all there. Yeah, yeah, it was a great game. It was a great game, actually. I watched it back twice this week. Our last was like, Why are you watching this? Is this a Steph Curry's not on this? Is he? I was like, Never mind. Shh. <laughs> Come back to watching the chase. It's fine. Yeah, happy, happy days. It was good, but. Uh, yeah, creepy Mark Cuban with his goatee, looking as creepy as ever. Um, they oh, that. there's a bit at the end where uh, he storms off and like pushes the camera away. Oh, really? And, like fucking that. comedy, like no, <laughs> look at him, get that shit out of my face. Like, wait, it's like proper funny. Well, there was some bad blood between him and Don Nelson because um, I think Nelson. Yeah, they'd was, left, hadn't they? Yeah, I think he'd been hired by the previous uh, previous administration. Yeah, but, uh, his son's still there. Donnie, obviously, he's still there now. And uh, I think he was uh, trying to take Mark Cuban to court for some money or something. So there was a lot of sort of bad blood and narrative and stuff, which was great. But yeah, Nelly just looked super chilled. He's just getting ready for the go back to the fucking beach hut in fucking Maui and smoke, smoking yeah. the fucking bowl. It was great. Yeah, it was fucking amazing. It was a really, really good game. Yeah, it looked like they got a good team spirit, Warriors, um, on that team. Um, you know, they were never and, in danger yeah, but... of winning it all, but. Um, yeah, the Mavs had nothing, nothing yeah. in return. Which fair play to them for turning it around uh, and sort of winning one in, ele- in 2011 because the, the, the TNT guys on there were like this. Even Steve Kerr was like, "This hurts Turk's legacy, especially after what happened in the yeah. finals." You know, we got to start asking questions about him now and stuff. So it is actually nice because he's one of the likable characters in the league. They actually did turn it around and stuff and, and win one yeah. uh, with a better coach and a bit of a different supporting cast, if you will. But, um, not many on that team who actually made it through to the title team. Jason Terry, I guess, but not many others, is yeah. it, really? 
JJ Barea, he was. Devin Harris, he was Devin there Harris. Yeah, but he went and came back, didn't he? Same with Barea. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Memory's going. Yeah, good fun. They um, went on to lose to Utah, didn't they, the Warriors, in the next round? Yeah. Davis had that nice dunk on, uh, what's his face? AK-47. Kirilenko. Uh, Kirilenko. Probably the highlight of that series in those nasty uniforms. But um... Nasty uniforms. Kirilenko on Memetico. Oh, God, yeah, those sky blue Utah uniforms. Remember them? Yep. Yeah. I never liked that Warriors uniform at the time, but I actually quite like like it for that era now. It's quite good to hop back to because it's kind of, it kind of puts a sort of lid on that era before they moved into the sort of Curry era. I quite, I don't know, looking back. I never wear one. They're horrendous, but um, actually quite suits that team, I think. The, the yellow one is better than the blue. The yeah. blue was horrible. Yeah, you mean the white one, the white with the yellow. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one that wore in game six, yeah. Young man Taylor as well. He was kind of flitted in and out in this series, but um, I think he was the most improved player in the league that year. Um, yeah, so yeah. He was definitely like fourth banana, wasn't he, on this team? There was a lot of ego, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was uh, he- easily the sort to get buoyed off, I think, by, uh, by the yeah. bigger brothers in that dressing room. Yeah. A lot of weed smoked between Nelson and some of the characters on that team. Uh, I should imagine so. <laughs> Al Harrington, Matt Barnes, uh, Stephen Jackson. Um, yeah, um, I bet they got some numbers between them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> who else was on this team? Uh, oh, Beedrins, who uh, had his moments in this series, and uh, they got a bit carried away and gave him that massive contract. <laughs> yeah, Pro- possibly still paying. Um, Possibly still. He was he was only like twenty one there, but um, he kind of he was he was one of them. If you're paying him the minimum, fine, but don't don't go out and pay him ten million a year. It was nuts. Another Chris Mullin uh, banana. Uh, he made some curious choices as a GM there. Yeah, lovely guy, Mully, but yeah, you don't want to miss your president of basketball operations. I don't think uh, as we've seen from this series. Uh, Pam Oliver's fucking useless as a sideline. Um, Reporter. She was like an NFL one. And I don't know how they got yeah. involved in the. She kept she kept saying that. Back to you, Eddie. When she was handing it back to Ernie Johnson, and Ernie Johnson, yeah. like, thanks, Pam. She's like, what? Who's fucking Eddie? It's amazing. It's like, Come on, try, try and get it right, Pam. Uh, never mind. A bit of cash in hand. Yeah, good fun. Good fun. The Warriors. It was. It was. Yeah. What What can we watch next? I don't know. We'll have to go East Coast. We've done. Couple of West ones last yeah. time, isn't it? So. Thing is, if you watch the nineties and early two thousand East Coast basketball, it's borderline unwatchable at times. We need... <laughs> it's not. It's not the easiest to watch. <laughs> it's it? not. It's. I like these. It's got to be a team like these Warriors or the Sonics or something. Uh, we need to think of a team who uh, have got up and down and uh, the chaotic teams, yeah. as you say. It's more fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. There has to be. There has to have been some. Yeah, Matt Barnes, another one. If he's on your team, you love him. If he's not, you fucking hate him. But he's one of them. He just little needle he's great quite yeah. like him as well like listen, listen to his yeah. podcast and stuff since he sort of left the league yeah not an idiot by any stretch yeah quite a clever guy no no yeah yeah, yeah he is he's one of the uh he got kind of cast as a bit of a a bit of a he's one of the more uh, thoughtful ex-players shall we say yeah yeah there's like fighting people though yeah well you know Derek fisher's got a very punchable face <laughs> can you say to be fair, I saw Derek Fisher had that coming. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Derek, bless him. Um, yeah, Nelly Smallball. It was yeah. He tried it with 
the sort of post, well, the run TMC sort of bunch and stuff. We didn't really have the personnel for it. Um, but it kind of worked with this bunch to an extent because, um, yeah, they were tough and fucking strong, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, shame about Baron Davis's injuries because what a player. So much fun to watch in his prime. He kind of lost the hops he had in Charlotte, hadn't he, by this point? He wasn't really dunking on people. Yeah, well, his, his prime was actually very short. And yeah. I think lots of his most noticeable contributions or, like, performances came after that when he had to sort of start thinking more about... Yeah, he, um, he d- definitely adjusted his game, didn't he? He wasn't just running and dunking over people. He was very much in the Derek Rose kind yeah. of, uh, category of score-first point guards, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then from then he went on to the Clippers, isn't it? And he, lost. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, he got injured coming out of college, I think, didn't he? I think he did his knee then, so it was. It never bode well. It looks like he looks like he get injured getting out of the bath. <laughs> it did. Out the car, out of bed. Another one I really like. Gazed up out the fridge. Personality wise, yeah, he's, he's a good yeah. player and seems like a yeah fairly smart dude. Yeah, yeah, he like was a, like a. One of the first dudes getting into having his own media company and making films and stuff like way before, you know, LeBron's and Kobe started doing it. Do you know what I mean? He was kind of led the way in a lot of, in a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yes. No, he's a, seems a good guy. But like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of characters on this team. Uh, Injury sure. problem. Yeah, it's a shame. Right, we'll have a small break and we'll be back to talk Celtics 2008 with Josh Coyne. Hey guys, this is Mike Tuck from the Sheffield Sharks. Make sure you subscribe to the Pick and Roll Podcast. Josh Coins with us again. Hello, Josh. Hello, how's it going? You're right. Yeah, we're good. We're hanging in there. We're um, good. Yeah, using our time to uh, go back in the archives and watch forgotten games and seasons and whatnot. Yeah, in, 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 in bad circumstances, that's been one of the kind of positives that people people have been watching a lot of classic basketball, it seems. Yeah, our uh, not that we make any money out of it, our uh, YouTube channel's gone mental with people uh, kind of interesting yeah. games and stuff, so that's, well, that's great. Interesting. Yeah, the 2008 Celtics, um, obviously in your wheelhouse, I'd imagine. How old were you at this time without sort of revealing your age? Were you a teenager? Were you in your 20s? Was, do, you remember, no, yeah. do you remember this season or? I remember it really well, yeah. yeah. So I, 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 basically, I, I think I touched on this the last time I was with you. But basically, I grew up with uh, two parents that played basketball, so basketball was always in my life. But uh-huh. um, the, uh, the 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 great American League, uh, so to speak, was is kind of it was always uh, just something that I would see from time to time, usually through my parents or whatever, and and unbelievably like. I would say, like the majority of the younger generation at this point, uh, a, a major kind of entry vehicle for me was NBA 2K around like 2004. Okay. No, maybe, maybe, yeah, around that, maybe 2004. That's when I really started to kind of obsess over it. So then by the time it came around to 07, I was already um, conditioned to be a Celtics fan by, by my dad, a big, big Larry Bird fan when I was uh, growing up. Um, and I had a few jerseys, but by 07, I was, I was truly in it. And then, uh, 
the playoffs itself, it was a uh, get up in the middle of the night situation already. Yeah, what was it? Was it on Sky in those days then? I, I think it was, wasn't it? Oh uh, yeah, I think it. I think it might have been on Sky. Yeah. It certainly wasn't. It wasn't Channel Five. No, I um, think there was this sort of ITV had that small run, didn't they, in the early two thousands? Then um, yeah, I think it, yeah, you just kind of they shifted it around, didn't they, to different slots for all. Yeah, so. I forgot about ITV. Yeah, are you? <laughs> I was going down on YouTube. Was that Derek Redmond on it? Derek Redmond and um, I forgot her name. Beverly Turner, was it? It was awful. I dug some old VHSs out. Uh, in fact, Mike took lent me some uh, to, to convert. And uh, I found a few old episodes. Like, oh, my God, it was so bad. Was really yeah, I can imagine. So, yeah, I mean, the computer game things are strange. Well, me and Gav kind of, that was where our sort of love of the NBA sort of bonded, wasn't it, really, over sort of playing NBA Live and, you know, games like that and stuff it was just kind of make your own entertainment wasn't it a lot of the time in them days with, with well my way in was uh my way in was ironically lakers versus celtics the a one awful the first yeah. nba live the very sort of first one that came in a cardboard box with a yellow tab for the mega drive brilliant yeah and like, yeah I, I, I that's how i learned about rosters i learned more most about basketball from getting good at that game than i did anywhere else really oh, i'll tell you what it's a real source of education these games and it's obviously it's got better and better over time yeah, yeah. i honestly think that through i mean i play a lot of basketball and i did when i was a teenager as well and i think i learned more from playing nba 2k about the game itself and what to do on the court than yeah, i did yeah. in any of my practice sessions Absolutely. which says just as much about the game as it does my uh, coaches probably and yeah, yeah. well i always terrible sorry, i always figured that uh when you're playing particularly when you're young any sport it's it's hard to not see it through the wider perspective of the other people on the court or yeah exactly whatever yeah. it is you only ever see it through that narrow filter of where you are in that moment yeah. And until you've got a mastery of basic skills and stuff like that, it can be hard to not just be concentrating on what you're doing. When those games really give you like a, an overall technical awareness, kind of. They really do. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is something that was, is probably underestimated um, in terms of the the uh, education that you get from those games. So when when uh, when you when your kids when your parents are telling you that you're not going to get anything out of playing video games there we go <laughs> well another one of this lockout agree. thing yeah. another one of these things in a lockout thing is uh like formula one have been pretty much running full formula one races and yeah. on, like, on the games and the commentators having to be like oh this is really realistic all right i turned the tv on the other day and the young one was like oh, this is formula one and i was like this is actually a fucking computer game on the telly on sky sports yeah. they were running like full-on you know formula one games it's not. We're uh, living in a simulation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in more ways than one. Yeah, um, I've thought about quite a lot. <laughs> We're living in the game. The game is Donald Trump. Because <laughs> if anybody's playing, he's the one. If you know what I mean. Yeah. We're just in the Boris Johnson DLC. Um, so no, get, 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 getting back to the Celtics. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no title since '86. We'd had the old sort of Rick Pitino, Larry Bird's not walking through that door era and stuff. Um, Red Auerbach had passed away 2006 i think it was mm. um and the celtics were really in a mess weren't they sort of coming out of that antoine two- walker had walked through the door and then struggled to walk back out of it yeah. <laughs> yeah. to walk out sideways uh, i mean at this point at this point they'd had a two-year absence from the playoffs so yeah. as you mentioned kind of um worst to first it truly that 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 was absolutely the case they hadn't made the playoffs for the last two years there was 
massive animosity between Pierce, occasionally the fan base, and uh, Doc Rivers in the first year. But that changed, obviously, when, when Danny made the most kind of important moves of his tenure, um, you know, which then he obviously subsequently won GM of the year for. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten until I sort of looked back and sort of just doing a bit of research for this. Yeah, the last, last place team in the East. Uh, 24 wins in 2007. Uh, an 18, 18 game losing streak. I mean, you know what the most staggering crazy. part of it is? By by March, they'd sorry, by December the 27th, so just after Christmas games, they'd matched their win record for the previous year. And then obviously that puts things in perspective, into perspective when it comes to the worst to first thing. But then by March, they had matched the win record of the last two seasons combined in March with a, a, I think they beat the Hornets for that one. Yeah, that's mind blowing. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the trade, obviously, Garnett coming in, uh, Ray Allen coming in, and um, sort of a new big three, if you will. Uh, I mean, there was talk of Pierce getting traded, wasn't there? That summer before, you know, he was le- legitimately thinking Danny Egg. Danny Ainge could trade him. As you said, there was a bit of, you know, disharmony in the ranks, if you will. Yeah, they were butting heads. Uh, I know that Doc Rivers and Ainge both butted heads with uh, Pierce at one point. And obviously there's the iconic shot of him kind of taking his jersey off, walking behind him, the the crowd are booing him. But yeah, I mean, if there's one way to kind of turn the tide, it's bringing in two like seasoned NBA legends, essentially. Yeah, not to be overlooked. Tibbs coming on board as the sort of defensive sort of guru and stuff that year as well. He'd been with sort of Van Gundy at New York and Houston and stuff, and it's really where he made, where he made a name for himself, isn't it? Really, uh, on this side. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if that team is if that team is widely kind of remembered for its defensive tenacity, uh, then obviously Tibbs did a did a brilliant job because that was his 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 uh, wheelhouse that year, as well as obviously having one of the best kind of defensive culture setters in the game and uh, now on the roster. But yeah, Tibbs was obviously massive. <laughs> and the most hilarious thing, observation in the game that we're going to get into in a minute, but in game six, there's a brilliant bit where Doc gets a technical and he really loses his head. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and Tibbs holds him back. And I remember it, yeah. Tom, yeah. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau being the voice of reason is is not something I ever thought I would see. The guy barks like a seal on the side of the court every, time, every game. It was a, that was an amazing sight. So I think he'd still got his voice at that point. Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, as you say, that was the identity of this team, wasn't it? From sort of training camp, um, if you've watched it, sort of season reviews, they're in Rome and stuff, and it's KG's personality and the intensity and. Just became infectious, didn't it? Of like, this is this is our event. We're going to be a defensive team, didn't we? Mm. Yeah. Well, in 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 the in that O seven Europe live tour as well, they they were also in the O two arena, which was funnily enough against the oh, Timberwolves. They? they played they played against Minnesota. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got my my dad actually got me a Pierce jersey from that because uh, he went. And I have no idea how I didn't go, but <laughs> my mum and dad went to that, and uh, Pierce. Uh, sorry, uh, KG played against the Timberwolves, I believe, um, and that was obviously, like you said, it's often credited as the reason the uh, the group truly came together in Rome and then over in the UK. They were kind of forced to bond, eat together, play together, travel together, yeah. and etc. Yeah, it's funny you watch some of these seasons, but Ray Allen always just seems still seems like a bit of an outsider whenever I watch any of these sort of reviews. So he, he was kind of a quiet personality, wasn't he? He's the exact opposite of KG. Uh, Hmm. In a way. Well, one thing that always gets me is that 
in, in like the, the reviews of all that, they talk about how the three of them made made sacrifices to their games, but they didn't really. Ray Allen was the only one that took like massive sacrifices in terms of like his, his shots and the amount of time he has on the ball. Certainly in terms but of then it, touches, I guess, yeah. In touches, but then you would argue, you could argue that at that juncture of their career, were they really sacrifices? If, if Ray Allen yeah. is still still trying to play like Milwaukee Ray Allen in a Boston jersey, then I doubt it would have been as effective. I don't think it's as much of a sacrifice, and it probably helped him become a more effective shooter. And I mean, he was unplayable yeah. at times. Yeah, they perfectly complemented well, each other. If you look back over Ray Allen's career, though, and all all these moments that you remember come after that sort of transition, yeah. not yeah. so much in those like thirty point years previous, he was still which getting, is amazing. Yeah, he was still getting to the rim and stuff, even in finals and series. And people forget he oh, was, yeah. you know, he could finish and stuff. He wasn't just a jump shooter, was he? But he, he was so smooth. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that, that's one of the things that really stood out for me in this is that just how important Ray Allen was yeah. to this team. I mean, he, I, I recently over at Double Clutch, we recently just did a he got game podcast, so I, I'm kind of used to seeing how unbelievable early Ray Allen was. Just people really do sleep on how athletically gifted he is, yeah. how explosive he was. he was. He was an amazing player. But in this, there's I know it's already a blowout at this point, but in like the, I think late in the third of game six and then into the fourth when the game was already won, Ray Allen, was they just drew up everything for Allen and he yeah. was absolutely unguardable. So... Uh, he, the grudge should probably be dropped by now, even though he was a bit of an outsider. <laughs> he went to Miami. Yeah. He was an absolutely crucial part oh, of this championship. Yeah, yeah. So they started. They had Atlanta in the first round. Took him to seven games, didn't they? It was a young Atlanta team with Josh Smith, Al Horford, uh, Joe Johnson, Bibby, and stuff. They just—it's a good team, though. Yeah, they—they they just couldn't get wins on the road, could they? Uh, no. During the sort of early part of the playoffs, uh, it—you know—it was a real problem for them. Um, they were. Obviously, the best defensive uh, team in the league, but um, they struggled to crack hundred points quite a lot, didn't they? Uh, mm. During the play, I mean, I, I don't think they cracked hundred points till the last game, did they? Uh, no, if I remember rightly. Um, so it was, no, and that, it was and that trio was hard to handle. That trio was really hard to handle. I mean, Horford obviously did a job on KG, and then and then it allowed kind of Johnson and Smith to do to do bits outside, outside and in. But they were they were a tough matchup for this team. I, I mean, like like you touched on, they they, they were a, they were a promising team, and they definitely didn't reach their uh, their ceiling. No, I mean they crushed them in games. They leaned to the war on one of the three, didn't they? In <laughs> Josh mm. Smith. Yeah, they, mm. they crushed them in the sort of game seven. I think they held Atlanta to sixty five points and really sort of put the defensive clamps down, if you will. Um, yeah, which seems mad in the year 2020, didn't it? You look at some of the scores points. of these games. I mean, it's not that long ago. It's like 10, 12 years ago and just it's mad. barely cracking 100 points. It's, uh, yeah. it's nuts. And um, yeah, then it was on to the Cavs, obviously, um, who were in the finals the year before. LeBron and a cast of, sort of characters, Delonte West, ex-Celtic, Ben Wallace, uh, what was left of him and stuff. And, but again, took them to seven games. They just couldn't win on the road, could they? No, and and this is a this the, this series as well was a bit of a uh, pattern for me in this uh, 08 run, in that much of the glory of it for Boston ended up being what eventually came to hurt them. 
because I, I honestly think beating LeBron in this playoff series <laughs> created so much pain going forward in his kind of redemption story. Yeah. Um, because he was obviously on a on a mission for revenge eventually. But especially, yeah, especially yeah, well, by the time he got to Miami, it was um, yeah, he got his own back, didn't he? He noticeably kind of wilt at points though in that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the game seven yeah. was epic. It's him and Pierce sort of going head to head, wasn't he? Uh, I think he, Pierce had forty-one, LeBron had forty-five, and it was just mm. making ridiculous shots. Uh, PJ Brown, I'd, I'd forgot he was on this team. Hit a massive shot in that game seven, and yeah, uh, had his yeah. there's so many of them in this team. Yeah, he, uh, he, he yeah, I think he'd, be, he'd been sat on the sofa. Uh, I think they they only sort of picked him up just after the All Star break. He'd been sort of out of the league pretty much, and. Uh, yeah, turned up, did his bit, and won a title and retired. <laughs> it's like I can't get <laughs> PJ. It was uh, um, they picked a few veterans up, didn't they? Um, so for the playoff from Sam Cassell, Leon Poe. Yeah, Leon Poe had his moments, didn't he? Definitely in the, in the really playoffs. did in the finals. Yeah, uh, Eddie House, James Posey. So yeah, some a lot of you know characters, if you will. James Posey made some big shots in that yeah. series. It's easy to forget about Tony Allen as well. I know he's not a vet- he wasn't a veteran at that point, but. So Tony Allen played a massive part in this, the, the the Celtics during this whole kind of um, five year run. He did, he did, yeah. Um, yeah. The Pistons in the conference finals, wasn't it? Again, they finally won a road game, game three, I think, and then closed out in game six. So they got that sort of monkey off their off their back, if you will. Headed to the finals to meet the Lakers. Yeah, for sure. It was the, the they were still a fairly stubborn Detroit team, but they just weren't. Obviously, what they were like four to five years before. Yeah, it was the, kind of the last throw of the dice for that sort of crew of, you know, the what well, the tight winning team, if you will, Billups, mm. Tayshawn, Prince, Rashid, and stuff, wasn't it? And uh, mm. it wasn't, yeah, not the prettiest basketball if you watch some of those games back either. It's uh, it's quite turgid stuff at times, unless you're sort of rooting for one particular team. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yep. Yeah, so the finals. Um, for the eleventh time, I think it was in history, Celtics mm. Lakers not met since eighty seven. Kobe had been the MVP of the regular season for the first time, which is, if you think about how he sort of how long he'd been in the league. Yeah, right? I mean, since his twelfth year in the league, it just shows he wasn't ever the sort of dominant player people maybe think you know remember him as. It took him a while, didn't it, to sort of mm. you know be considered the best player in the league um, again, like. Pretty much like Paul Pierce, there was rumours of him getting traded and asking for a trade the season before. So it's quite strange these two teams sort of met in the final, considering the dysfunction that was going on sort of only a year earlier. Yeah. I mean, the the craziest, I mean, there are two things that it kind of made me realise when I went and revisited this game. Firstly, how much I miss kind of playoff basketball as a whole. Um, but then also, like, how much I missed rooting against Kobe Bryant <laughs> because, because it just made me miss him so much just that, like the the absolute best opponent the best rival to root against yeah. you could you could ever have and and at one point in this game the ESPN coverage cuts back to I believe kind of game three and uh man it's tough to watch because there's a there's a bit where he goes out and he uh, he uh, is greeted by Gigi and they have a little moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tough watch. watch. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Whatever you think about him as an opponent and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty grim uh, to watch back. Um, he'd not won one without Shaq at that point either, so he was quite desperate to sort of prove that he could do it on his own, uh, if you will. Yeah, and if you combine that with Powell's desire to kind of prove himself um, 
you know, after being introduced to the um, to, to the Lakers team um, and obviously being in the league a certain period and being labelled soft in certain areas and things like that. And obviously uh, them two as a, as a duo hoping to basically do similar things to Shaq, which they eventually did, to the, to the Kobe and Shaq duo, sorry, um, which they eventually did. Uh, the, the, there was a lot to prove on the court for a lot of the main players on both sides. Yeah, I mean Andrew Bynum went down in January, didn't he? And then they they made the Gasol trade, which was quite controversial at the time. I remember Popovich like he was calling for like a league investigation, saying it was so one sided how they could get him. But if you actually look back at the trade, the Grizzlies did all right out of it. They got a couple of, sort of first round picks. They got the rights to Mark Gasol and you mm. know, whatever you think of Kwame Brown and whatever, but not actually. <laughs> You know, if you actually look back now with hindsight, it actually worked out all right for the Grizzlies. But it was, oh, I mean, it, it was panic at the time, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah, everything. yeah, and that's their identity for like a decade. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> they they got their their green grind identity out of the work of people like Mark Gasol, who arguably has been as good as his brother, probably better overall. Um, yeah, yeah. But just not with not with the success. But yeah, good remember, trade. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good trade for Lakers at the time. Yeah. Yeah, mm. game one, if you remember, was um, Paul Pierce game one. getting wheeled. Paul Pierce game. Wheeled off in the wheelchair and then running back down the t- tunnel. Not quite Willis Reed style, but um, hit a couple of big threes and stuff. Um, That's one of the most embarrassing moments. <laughs> I, 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 I do you, feel I'm embarrassed when that. I watch it. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love the moment. Obviously, like he comes out like a WWE wrestler and the whole garden goes absolutely yeah. nuts. It's amazing. But yeah. obviously... If he could really, yeah. if he could redo that, out what like ninety nine times out of a hundred, he would be not requesting the wheelchair to be to be carted out of. And then uh, you know he was obviously fine. Came out, made some money shots. They rallied back and uh, got got the lead. Um, they nearly blew a big lead in game two. I remember Leon Poe had that big game, twenty one points and stuff. Mm. Kobe had a big game three. Uh, they won game four in LA. Biggest comeback, yeah, maybe massive comeback, huge, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah that's good. Fourteen thirty-four at the end of the first quarter. Or something yeah, I don't, I don't think they'd led um, at any point. Four minutes left in the fourth. Ray Allen made a couple of huge baskets in that game, like yeah, and stuff. yeah. Uh, just, and the, the best part of the, the the best part of the ESPN coverage of that as well is they kept showing the uh, halftime team talks with the coaches. They did, yeah, which yeah. which I miss now. I don't see it as much, but it's. Um, Especially with the narrative of the comeback, seeing seeing the team talks at halftime there, were, that, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, this was the old two three two format as well, which I hated. It always gave the sort of road team that unfair advantage. I thought. Yeah. Getting sort of if you could nick one on the road, you had a really good chance, didn't you? It was. Uh... Mm, mm. So yeah, on to game six then. Twenty sixth game for Boston in the playoffs, which at the time was the most anyone had played in a sort of playoff series, uh, which is nuts if you think about it. A young Rondo, we should mention. Um, yeah. I forgot how quick he was. He was so quick. He was really fun to watch, wasn't he? I just, yeah, I, f- I forgot how speedy he was and uh, how disruptive and it, he was when he was locked in on defense. It was, uh, it was a joy to watch. Yeah, he really went from like zero to 100. I mean, like, 
he obviously took a while to get kind of integrated into the team confidently and they had his ups and downs in that season. But then by the time like this final series is on, he is like he has a down spot at one point, but he he's absolutely like unashamedly confident. Yeah. He just like he yeah, it's it's unwavering. He he attacks the rim, he plays really good defence. And actually, I think this series and a couple of other series gave him an inaccurate reputation as a really good defender for most of his career. Yeah, he became like, um, people forget he was like, he had commercials and stuff. He was like, the league were pushing him as kind of like a, a budding young star, weren't they? Like a super mm. kind of thing, we, which you think of, he never really had the game to back up. Um, you know, people still left him wide open on jump shots and stuff. But um, this was kind of where he, he met him. layup. Yeah, he <laughs> can spurn a layup and contort and find Ray Allen like like that. That was amazing to watch, though. Oh, like, he his his, his literally take it off insane. the rim and flip it out. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he had the confidence to turn down a given two at times. To, yeah, to, to, yeah, that's a free. You know, oh no, yeah, and and that's so good at frustration that. as a Boston fan as well because you're like. Please just lay that in. <laughs> you're an, you're an inch away from it. There's a finger roll right there, and he throws it out. But he could uh, he could pad stats like no other. Yeah, going out got off to a really quick start, didn't they? Like ten early points. They they didn't really have an answer for him, did they? In the paint, um, no. Power Gasol could try, but um, they really missed Bynum from that sort of angle. KG just sort of went to work early, didn't he? Certainly. I mean. He, the, the... KG is the guy that you think of when you come to this game, without a doubt, because even like you get like it just gives you kind of chills when you watch the pre-game intro and you've got the uh, KG uh, the KG scream. The garden is unbelievably loud at this game, just unbelievable noise coming out of the arena, and he gets that. I think quarter it was when he gets that kind of falling backwards pushed in the chest from Powell. Uh, yeah, man, that is a great play. Yeah, it still funny. makes it. You mentioned the uh, cameras in the uh, locker room at half time and stuff, and just even the sideline interviews in those days. Like Phil Jackson starts criticizing Pau Gasol at one point. I think Michelle Tafoya is interviewing him, and he's just like, he's got to do better, he's got to be stronger. Like, you don't hear that now, do you? Even, no. You know, coaches very rarely say anything about individual players, especially it's, uh, it's, it's definitely changed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, obviously. Obviously, trying to guard KG is uh, a big part of it because he's pulling out some really slick moves. But the POW soft labels, uh, you know, to a certain degree, they're pretty unfair. But Jackson really isn't helping it <laughs> because, you know, like coming out on the sideline and saying, like, this guy's playing like shit, yeah, probably yeah. not going to help you. But if you watch all those old Bulls games, he did it all the time then as well. He was quite, he's quite a vicious uh, guy, really. You know, People think he's this zen, calm individual, but he's got quite a nasty streak to him, Phil Jackson. I guess you've got to try and get in their head somewhere. But I guess so. In... Yeah, but they're not watching the game, the broadcast. Though, honestly, so I don't, I don't see what, what purpose it serves. Yeah. yeah, he came back stronger. Yeah, well, yeah. He came back stronger the next two years. Um, Pierce was such a good facilitator as well. He was kind of... If Rondo was sat or not got it, he was he was like having you didn't need a backup point guard, did you? I forgot I forgot what what good ball handler he was in his prime and stuff, and the way he could yeah. sort of instigate the offense and get the pick and roll going with KG and stuff. Um, and really and to be fair, even it, game, even when he'd, the team had been kind of become slightly depleted, the in the later years before the Brooklyn trade, there were times when you would hope that Rondo wasn't available because. Pierce at point guard was actually becoming the more effective option. Yeah. 
uh, he's a playmaker and he always had the ball in his hand to make shots. Um, so yeah, he, he, that, that especially when he got older, I think that became such a better part of his game, just moving the ball, making the right decision. Yeah, they went on that big 26-6 to run, I think, um, and they were up by sort of 23. Um, it was just ball movement and suffocating defence, wasn't it? Um, oh, yeah. So much mid-range as well. <laughs> yeah, it's like a different sport, isn't it? It's... Yeah. I mean, people obviously point out the differences between kind of 80s, um, and now, but even like you said earlier on in the pod, yeah. twelve years difference, and finding Allen, you know, finding Ray Allen open yeah. for a free feels like a Plan C, yeah. uh, you know, offense, as opposed to a Plan A, which it would be now. Mostly looking for kind of post looks or to kind of slash from the from from the outside, but you know, Plan A nowadays is uh, is what would put you on the bench a lot of the time in in uh, twenty twenty. Uh, sorry, two thousand and eight. You could pillar it in two thousand and eight if you took it. If you took some of those eighty footers, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you'd be sat straight away. And the other way around, if if you if you're kind of committing to the plan A post move, you know, you go to like three post looks in a row. That's yeah. probably going to put you on the bench in twenty twenty. Yeah. Madness. Yeah, it would. Which they do numerous times in this game. Yeah. They put they they try and give it to Perkins to, to try and give him a touch a few times uh, in the post, and you think. Perkins is not getting the ball in the modern NBA. How do you think? Do you think uh, Kendrick Kendrick Perkins would be drafted in twenty twenty coming out of college? It's hard. Uh, it's hard to sort of imagine someone's going to be drafted to play defense and rebound, isn't it? Nowadays, yeah, I'm trying to think of a comparison, but it's quite tough, isn't it? You think are there any guys that essentially because they used to the league used to just be full of bodies. Yeah, you know, Roy Hibbert um, of the world. Bodies, yeah. and I think that like toughness was a uh, was a concept that people bought into more than they do nowadays. I think toughness means something else in the in in the modern NBA than it used to. I think that maybe just having, and obviously we're seeing now all these years later that Perkins is someone who can get you know won't shut his mouth. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know that probably helped in he some likes, way in terms of creating the identity. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's funny because if he didn't get injured in the 2010 finals, you'd probably win that game seven as well. So it's, it's that side of the coin, you know. It's, um... Yeah, it's one of those one of those wrinkles that you just you, you can never really tell. You yeah. can't you can't say it one way or the other because you could say the same for the uh, the KG injury. The Perkins injuries, yeah. the the Bynum injury that you've already mentioned on this series, you know, played a part. But you never know. Yeah, the Lakers just looked lost after half time, didn't they? I think by about halfway through the third quarter, they'd essentially just given up, haven't they? It was... Yeah, it becomes brutal, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, it becomes a walk on. It's 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 a, it's a show by the end. It's it's possibly the best way to win a championships compared to a nail biter. No, at the at the end of the 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 third, it's a proper destruction, and I can't. When it actually got to the end of the third, I was I was watching it. I was going, "Wait, there's still another quarter left." I, I can't believe it's this insane. kind of onslaught is still going, and I can't even imagine how he'd feel as a Laker. You can see that they're getting more and more frustrated. Like Odom is is um, taking exception to KG talking and and still playing hard defense, but when the whole of the garden starts doing the na 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 hey goodbye <laughs> chance. I can't even imagine how you would feel. You know, like when you're playing sport as a kid and you just can't 
you can't kind of process the emotions of losing and that you start kind of throwing your toys out the pram. I think that would be me in that situation. Yeah, I think they're up by about 37 at one point, about seven minutes less. And Jordan Farmer tries to throw like a half-court alley-oop. Uh, they're just throwing it around the gym. It's just like it, it, the game's completely just failed as a contest. You know, it's just completely falling apart. It's... Yeah, and it's uh, you know just the 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 standout moments in the second half really is that AJ gets a stop, I think, against Powell and starts kind of beating his chest. And that's one of those clips that's like always used in slow motion montages. At this okay. point, he owns it in the fourth. He yeah. just completely dominates. He looks unplayable and that obviously doesn't help the the pow soft labeling like you said rondo becomes unbelievably confident but then in the fourth quarter like i mentioned i mean there's like double baseline screens being called for ray and, and that works to you know that <laughs> he, works he just perfection. keeps hitting threes though, like all the time it just Another doesn't stop one. yeah yeah uh, not only does it show that he's got like absolutely flawless form but it shows that really good coaching i think because they've won that game and the execution is still completely perfect. Uh, they're setting low screens for Allen to cut round to the corner. Vujicic can't keep up with him. I think he. Uh, um, I think he throws. Um, what's his name uh, to the floor at one point, and then just runs around the screen. Uh, Radmanovic. Radmanovic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Rad- Van Gundy makes a really good point in this game. <laughs> Rad- Radmanovic is easily their defensive weak spot oh, because they, because yeah. even though. The, the Celtics are the team that are known for kind of winning it on defense at this point. The individual defenders on the Lakers team, Van Gundy points it out, they're really strong. It's, it's Rad, Radmanovic and people like that that are kind of the, the weak spots that I think Boston chose to attack. And he, Mark Jackson, at one point during the fourth, he said, Somebody call 911. Rajon Rondo just stole Kobe Bryant's pocket. Outstanding job. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> the fun, Mark Jackson the cheesiness honestly they're actually better back then than they are now they don't even commentate nowadays at least they actually try to commentate commentate tenure. Yeah, I don't know what they do now but, uh, no a lot of people have been going on about this recently and I agree the, the they're just it's not going to help. They're just really. It's lazy, not going to help yeah. the product because yeah, yeah. all they do, all they ever do, is talk about how bad everything is. Yeah. And you think if you're someone who's switching the the NBA on for the first time to give it a go, yeah. and you tell it, so imagine imagine in the Premier League if like yeah. Martin Tyler was just saying, oh. Well, Van yeah, Gundy goes this... like five minutes without speaking sometimes. He's like, is he actually on the game? Is he nipped out or what? It's just like, yeah, oh, no. yeah let's get some proper analysis on. Yeah, but at least, the, at least in in recent years, we've got that that unbelievable clip where Mark Jackson talks about LeBron's wife. <laughs> you ever you ever seen that? I don't think I have. No. There's there's I sh- I really shit you not. There's a moment <laughs> where Mark Jackson they're talking about Savannah, and it's like unbelievably inappropriate conversation for them to be having. They talk about Savannah, and. They say, like, I think Van Gunny or someone else says, like, she's all state. What? As in, like, I guess she's a really high quality. <laughs> I guess he's talking about her appearance. And then Mark Jackson says, I'm surprised that you said even all, st- all state, she is championship level or something like that. And then <laughs> he goes, and he goes, there's, a, there's like a moment of silence where you just hear the kind of encore ambience for a while. And Mark Jackson says, and I would hit it out of the park 
um, with all due respect. What the fuck? Oh, he actually this? says <laughs> <laughs> you have to you have to YouTube it what? later because he he actually qualifies it with with all due respect after saying no, the God, least respectful not... thing possible. <laughs> That's his favourite go-to one, with all due respect. No, with all due this res- not, with this is, all due respect. This is right in our Ricky Bobby. I can't ah. Fuck, this has escaped us. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's one point uh, during the fourth quarter, right near the end, he, say, he, says, um, he says, Doc's dad, is because uh, Doc Rivers' dad had passed away, and uh, he's like, yeah. Doc's dad is watching his son right now, and he could not be prouder. I'm like, well, he's not, Mark. You're dead, so that's okay. a major stumbling block. <laughs> yeah, uh, so well, unless you're a medium, you know, just so, it's just so inappropriate at times. And to I get be it, fair, however, but it's you know, uh, Dex is basically like pasta level Christian, well, he is. isn't He's he? A so he's uh, pasta. Uh, yeah, so he means he he obviously means he you know, obviously from the well. from the gates of heaven. Yeah, of, of Jesse Gemstone. Jesse Gemstone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, it all <laughs> fell apart basically. Uh, <laughs> At the end for the Lakers, and um, yeah, the post. Yeah, game, if, if the, the post game's quite. So, it's, it's, it's like the worst way to lose a championship on the road and getting like, like wiped, getting wiped. It's. Yeah, I can't even imagine how to process that emotionally. Like I said, but um, it was a, a great series. Obviously, uh, the the only it was the tense. Only... Yeah, it's definitely tense. The only negative I'd say of it for Boston is is basically what I mentioned about LeBron earlier is that hundred percent this served as inspiration when it got to 2010 from the Lakers, um, and it, it came back to bite the Celtics because the you know Lakers were like a different level of uh, tenacity in in that 2010 series. Yeah, it's um, probably there's interviews, there's an interview somewhere with Kobe talking about getting revenge on the Celtics. In yeah. 20- and I, th- I think that's like an underrated thing. I, th- I mean, you know, a lot of people like to kind of discredit this kind of thing. But if you think about the Spurs team that got beat by Miami and, and then, you know, eventually came back for another bite at the apple and they were like a different level of focused. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it absolutely plays a part. Yeah, well, the Lakers got back to the final the next two years, didn't they? And, uh... mm. Well, and also that, that Celtics team, aside from Ray Allen, as, as he kind of talked about, wasn't exactly sportsmanlike. They went about that. No. If you know what I mean, it wasn't. They didn't exactly like they, they they milked that 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 garden crowd in that fourth quarter down the stretch. Oh yeah. yeah, like there was yeah. You could see why that would that particular mix of personalities and the way they went about that would be would be enough to yeah to like a fire under your next season to get back at them. Well, that's that's the kind of thing that drove people like KG anyway, isn't it? He didn't he didn't just want to beat you at basketball. He wanted yeah. to, he wanted you to be like a shell of yourself after forty eight minutes. A very intense man. The uh, interview after straight after with uh, Michelle Tafoya is quite good, and uh, he's kind of just <laughs> screaming "Top of the world, Ma!" and all that. I'm certified now. Anything yeah, is possible. possible. And that is, is well, it is well. To be fair, being seven he... foot two gives you a really good probability of being an NBA champ one day. And then he says, yeah. "Michelle, you look good tonight," and then just walks away. It's quite funny. That's my favourite thing about <laughs> KG. He did it with Craig Sager as well, did he? Where he like continuously yeah. would comment on how they praised the outfit. And so I don't think he was. Yeah. You know, he wasn't in a sexist kind of way he was just praising her outfit and stuff you know i don't want to get that yeah it was uh, yeah it was quite funny also that that interview puts it in context of how unbelievably massive the fella is yeah yeah 
it's really, really massive bloke. And well, then, uh, body shape never really changed over his career, did it? He was, you know, no, he was, you know, he he was, was a, a live guy. He was afraid to eat. He 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 hates eating. There's <laughs> a, no, the, no, I really mean that. He, the, there's an interview where he said that like he used to like really dread seeing like a full plate of food. Like he can't he can't deal with like. Big like plates of uh, big meals. He can't. He's he's essentially like it makes him feel sick, which is, uh, I guess, it, in some ways, you know, eating to survive is uh, would keep some of us in shape. But yeah. you know, it is what it is. Don't take him to a Toby Carvery. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the the Celtics kind of they never really got back to this sort of level after then. They got knocked out by Orlando, uh, and then. Obviously lost in the finals. Doc, was it 2013 he went to the Clippers? It was a while mm. after this, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But I think that was the same summer they traded Pierce and Garnett, the Brooklyn thing, which still looking back, is like the weirdest time in basketball. Garnett and Pierce really being is. on the Brooklyn Nets. It's like that never really happened. It was like some, some kind of parallel universe. It was bizarre. Yeah, did you see the uh, the Nets? I can't remember who it was, but somebody, somebody on Twitter t- um, sent a tweet out about... You know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets legend Kevin Garnett has really? been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and then everyone in in the replies was just like, "Delete." There's yeah. still time to delete. Whoever's running their sort of branding and social, whatever Brooklyn, it's just yeah, enough with the biggie stuff already. It's just like you can't just create this identity that doesn't exist. Do you know what I mean? It's like New Jersey barely had anything. Never mind Brooklyn. So yeah, so, yeah, they, they've so, done yeah. so much right. Yeah. But then they make like a decision that takes them back. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why they, they they could be so cool. Yeah, the Nets. Yeah, um, they just can't. Yeah, can't get it all running right. Yeah. But you know what makes things cool? Winning. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Doc's probably a Hall of Famer at this point. Then, really, um, if you add on the playing career onto the coaching career, um, he's got to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's. 12 all-time in wins and 7 all-time in playoff wins. Only Popovich ahead of him, who's not in the Hall of Fame. So it's pretty much locked on at this point. Um, I hated him when he was the Clippers coach because the Warriors played him a lot and he bitched and whined to the refs and stuff constantly. And oh, it doesn't you, stop. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you always fucking hated it if you, you know, a fan of the other team. But um, but seems like a lovely guy. and you Yeah. Know, uh, seems like a genuine, one of the good guys in the league. That's and depending true. on what happens with, with all this, he's still got a chance to get more championships to secure that that uh, Hall of Fame title. Yeah, I think I think I think it's nailed on at this point. But um, yeah, the the main thing taken away from watching the series again was just how good Ray Allen was. I was just like, I forgot how good he was. And, um, yeah, um, even in this later period of his yeah, career. Yeah, he's um, probably I, I think because he was at Seattle for a while and. We never really saw a lot of those Sonics games at that time. It was um, people kind of forgot about him when he was out there, and, uh, and obviously he started his career on Milwaukee, which you know we never really saw a ton of Bucks games either. He kind of got kind of forgotten about, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so it was nice for him to sort of, and obviously what happened at Miami, um, get his due. Yeah, the biggest thing is obviously he was a he was a bona fide movie star, so. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. He was famous before sort of really doing anything, wasn't he? That was the thing with the He Got Game thing. Yeah, especially, well, certainly internationally. He's like, yeah. he, he he would have been way more famous for being the guy in the film with Denzel Washington. Yeah. Do you know what? Um, I, don't, I don't think I've watched that since it came out. With I think I watched it with you, Gav, when it came out in like 98, yep. 98 or something. I don't think I've watched it since. I probably need to revisit it. 
Tell you what, tremendous rewatch. Yeah. I like, did, did it for the, obviously everyone subscribed to uh, the Double Clutch podcast, but we did a, uh, he got game one uh, this week. Yeah, you've week. just done it, haven't and, you? A rewatch. Yeah, it, so. just put it on Twitter. But um, yeah, I'll tell have, you what. I'll have to watch it again this weekend, I think. That stands up as a bona fide kind of classic. Um, I'd, I'd say probably my favourite basketball film. Where can we find your work, Josh? Double Clutch, as you uh, say. Well, I'm going. I'll tell you, and then I've got one more question okay. about this this whole thing. Go for it. Um, so, firstly, you can find our work uh, at, on Twitter at Pound Coin. Great pun of my name, C O Y N E, Josh Coin. Um, and then DoubleClutch.uk. And then, if you like live music, you can check out the Hand Stamp podcast, which uh, I also do. Um, but I've got a question for you just before I go. Understandably, this team is kind of getting a bit of a weird reputation because they're always on TV. They're always in the media. They've got kind of a constant braggadocious presence. This sort of kind of eclipses their actual kind of on-court success in a way. Um, and that's given them a weird reputation of being overrated. What's your thoughts on how their legacy sits in terms of winning one championship OA and then going on a really good unbeaten run for the next couple of years. I think Kendrick Perkins probably needs to calm down a bit because <laughs> he's constantly chelping about this and that. Um, I don't know. I think because Boston are one of the most storied franchises, you're always going to get that, I think. Um, they're part of the NBA narrative, do you know what I mean? So I think that's yeah. why. And with Paul well, Pierce, I think that's what with, hurts. With, with Paul Pierce being on ESPN as well, you're always going to get that. And Kevin Garnett's quite a, you know, a forceful character, and he's always got another movie say. star. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. Uncut Gems, but uh, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So I think you're always going to get that with Boston, and there's just that history there and stuff. But I, I don't mind it. I don't, you know, I, don't, I think they were worthy champions at the time, and and whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, it's a sixty-six. It's a sixty-six win season and a and a subsequent championship. Yeah, no denying that. And the the worst of first stories, brilliant as well. It's I, I totally forgot about how bad they'd been the season before. So it's only yeah, you know, just doing a bit of research for this podcast. I forgot. Shit, I forgot. You know what a fucking story it is. So it's a good. It's not. You know, it doesn't make my heart as warm as the Dallas kind of Dirk winning its story because I, I loved that and and some of the Spurs mm, sort of title winning seasons. I re- I really enjoy. Uh, and obviously, as a Warriors fan, I've been spoiled to death for the last few years. But it's a good story. I like I like the Boston win in '08. Yeah. It's good. It's I, I don't. I'm not a fan of the Lakers. <laughs> Anytime anyone beats the Lakers, yeah, it's good. So I, don't, I think I think they got their just. You know, they get the props they deserve, and it's just it's Ubuntu. Think so. Ubuntu. <laughs> we've not even mentioned Ubuntu. it. We've gone, we've gone for yeah. 50 minutes without actually mentioning it. So there you go. Well, I, I think one of the problems is is that it's that it was a Celtics team, so they're stacked up against the other previous Celtics teams. Mm. If it if it was Nets, they'd be talking about the greatest Nets who ever graced the earth. If it was them that had won the title, so I, I guess I, I, I'm thinking some flair on teams sometimes when they're when they're when they're against the storied franchise, particularly from a point in history where one player could dominate for a decade, mm. as it were. I, I guess they, so. they. I guess people like, like you said, people like Perkins are in the media talking about them as though they are the '86 Celtics. Yeah. But at the end of the day, for that one season and the and 
for a lot of the next two years, they were virtually unplayable. They went on an unbelievable unbeaten run. They had, a like I said, 66 win season that resulted in championship. So Ubuntu indeed. Yeah. And Tibbs did all right out of it. In Chicago. Certainly did. Run. Yeah. So I think we'll see him back soon. It's nice yeah. to see the... Uh... Nice to see the yellow and green in the playoffs, in the yeah. finals, as it were. That, cause, yeah, that was my introduction to basketball, probably that game, to see that, yeah. that colourway. And also contrasted to the Lakers in purple at, at the Garden is my least favourite combination of like a home court and an away uniform in, in the league, I think. For sure. I never like that one. Never like that. It just always looks flat. I, I don't have many thoughts on the Lakers branding. No. <laughs> I try not to think about them too often. Um, gentlemen, uh, I've kept you uh, far longer than planned, so I shall thank you for your time. We're going to do um, a podcast on the greatest starting fives for each franchise, so we'll probably get you back on, Josh, for uh, maybe a Celtics, uh, your Celtics thoughts. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll maybe be able to push it to be on the Celtics, but it would be a pleasure to uh, uh, if you could have me back. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get you involved in that. Yeah, follow the Instagram, guys, uh, for all that. And uh, we shall be back uh, with guests uh, sometime soon, I guess. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, guys. Have a good Sunday. Take it easy. Take it easy. Cheers. That was fun. See you later. Bye-bye. See you later, guys. Take care.